0: Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. First person we're going to ask to come, and uh, uh, I don't want them necessarily worried about the time, but we're going to, uh, there'll be a number of speakers today, but the first person I want to come to share with you today is Brother Dale Burner, who leads our men's ministry and part of our ministry staff. Would you welcome Brother Burner as he comes today to share with you Christmas characters.
1: Lord, every, whoop, There we go. Praise the Lord, everyone. Man, I had uh, chosen the character of Joseph. Uh, I guess there's not a whole lot said about Joseph in Scripture, so I thought it would be a challenge, you know, it would be kind of cool. And, and he was a dad. He was actually a foster dad, too, I guess you could say. Uh, so, you know, I, I kind of uh, have a little bit of something in common with this guy. The more I studied about him, the less I had in common with him. Uh, so, uh, you know, I guess it is a good goal for me. Um, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, I just want to read this story real quickly. And I'm reading it in the nearly inspired version. Let me see. <laughs> it it uh, has just a few less of the these and thous and all those good things today. So, And uh, I forgot my reading glasses, but we will make do iPhones are great, except this time you can make them bigger, but it's not working for me now, so I'll hold it closer. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a, pu- being a just man, and that right there is an important statement, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately, while, these, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Uh, I, I want to read on down just a little bit further. Um, uh, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord By the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And knew her not until they brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. You know, in the, in the Bible, Joseph is basically unspoken of, uh, yet the Bible has a verdict of this man in verse 19, and we read it. It says, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, he was a good man, he was just. There was nothing in him that was, uh, seemed to be shady in any way whatsoever, and God had chosen him to play this very important role of salvation in the salvation plan of God. So what was it that was so special about Joseph? The, the little bit that we do see of him, what was so special about this man? The first thing that, I, uh, that is very obvious to me was his treatment of Mary before that they were married. You know, in uh, Jewish tradition, when a man was getting ready to marry a woman, he would go back to his father's house and he would build a house for his wife, for his bride, for his eventual family that would come. I didn't know that. That was pretty cool. In fact, I was telling John yesterday about this. I said, John, did you know this? And it wouldn't have surprised me if John did. John's a very brilliant young man. Uh, He really is. uh, And knows how to use what he knows. Anyway, that's beside the point. But I said did you know that, John? And I said, you know, because it's amazing in the Word of God that Jesus said, I'm going to go away and I'm going to build a house for my bride, my my wife to be one day, and I want you to be there with me also. And and that was a wonderful thing. And I, that's why the Jews understood why Jesus said it that way. You know what? He he. he gave them something they already knew. Uh, And and I said, John, did you know that? And he said, no, dad, I didn't know that. And I said, well, I'm going to talk about that tomorrow. And John sat there for a moment, and you can tell when John is deep in thought. And I was like, oh, Lord, what is getting ready to come out of this boy's mouth? And the next statement that John said is, well, that's good, Dad, but you might want to have a little more with it because you're not going to be able to preach very long if that's all you're talking about. So, and I said, yes, sir, John, I will put more with it, I promise you. So in honor of John today, for the next hour, no, I'm, ki- I'm kidding, uh, when I found out that Brother Greg had got called into work, I thought, you know, now I have 15 minutes instead of 10, so that was a good thing. Uh, But, you know, Joseph had started to build, I'm sure, with joy. I don't know if many of you men remember. It's been a long time, seems like, since those days when I'd ask her to marry me. I remember exactly where it was at. remember exactly how it happened, when it happened, all of that, because it was a, a great moment in my life. I couldn't believe. I thought she surely was blind to say yes to me because she hadn't really gotten a good look at me, I don't think, yet. But we ended up, I remember thoughts of after I'd asked her to marry me, I would, and, and this is just weird little me, I would go to bed at night and I would pull the pillows up real close, kind of hold on to them, imagine what it would be, you know, when I had my wife there. I would, I would imagine when we had our own home that, you know, if a cabinet door, the screws come out, that I was going to get to be the man to tighten those screws back up and fix that piece of trim, and that didn't last very long, but... uh I was happy about it then, and you know, as I began to imagine my new wife, I began to do so many different things. You know, I it, there was things that I would do. You know, it, it's kind of like uh, Brother Wayne Crawley. I know some of you know him. He is uh, he was born pretty well nuts and went downhill ever since. After that, he is. Uh, I love Brother Wayne Crawley, but he he told me a story one time about this man. He told his. Uh, wife-to-be, he said, I love you so much. He said, I'd swim the deepest ocean. I'd climb the highest mountain. I would walk across coals. I would go across the desert without water just to be with you. And she said, so are we going out tomorrow night? He said, yeah, if it doesn't rain, I'll be there. You know, sometimes we kind of state things, but I can imagine Joseph as he began to build and he was thinking of all the things that would transpire in his life and the joy that was there because of the beautiful young lady that had said yes to him. And he had made up his mind that that's what he was going to do and he was building with joy and things were going well. And then all of a sudden comes the message that, hey, Mary is pregnant and Joseph had not known her and you can imagine as a man even as a woman you can understand how he might feel of what am i supposed to do now Everything that I'm doing, every investment that I've made, all the cards are laid out on the table, and it was all for Mary. And now look at what's happened. How many times have we in living and serving God found that it seems like things just don't turn out at all the way we think they would? And there's many times it looks like the judgment of God is against us, just like it was with Adam and Eve in the garden. When it looked like God, you know, I, I, I was a little ornery one time, and I asked a conversation congregation where I was preaching how many of you believe God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden because he's mad at them and every one of them raised their hand I said well don't skip Bible study Wednesday night (laughs) and I said you know if if God had left Adam and Eve there and they had been able to eat of the tree of life and live forever in the unregenerated state of sin. There would never been any hope for their life, but Jesus removed them from the garden and allowed something very painful to happen in their life that they could actually have life and that they could live and that there would be a blessed uh, rejoicing in their soul one day. You see, sometimes it looks like the judgment of God, but it's the hand of God. God blessing us all the way through. And I'm thankful today that I have gotten to experience some of these things in my life. But you can imagine the heartbreak that went through Joseph as he began. You know, in fact, the law said that she could be stoned for this. The law said that he could uh, make the decision and her life would be gone. But he loved Mary and he decided to keep the matter a secret You see, Joseph was dealing with the pain of what he thought was an unfaithful wife, but he chose not to exercise his right for vengeance in any way, but rather suffer quietly than to shame Mary. You see, the thing about him going and building that home for his wife, if he all of a sudden stopped building and stopped doing and stopped uh, 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 the things that he needed to do, everybody would begin to ask questions. Why is it that you have stopped? Why are you no longer building? Why are you no longer aspiring to this thought that you want to build something for your wife? Uh, and I believe something, you know, can come over us in a time, uh, it seems like when we're facing our greatest battle, uh, that the road may seem long and the hill may seem high. But I've come to remind somebody today, you don't know what God's up to. Uh, just keep and just keep hoping, keep on walking and living for God because you don't know the miracle that may be getting ready to happen in your life. I believe that with all of my heart today. I believe that. Do you know what? Joseph gave up his right to get even. Instead, he decided to care for the one who hurt him. I want to tell you, such an admirable man today. He kept building the house Instead of exposing her sin, I admire this man so greatly. What was the second thing that made him so special? This was Joseph's knowledge of Scripture. You see, what had influenced Joseph's decision to go ahead and take Mary to be his wife? An angel spoke to him. In fact, I want us to, uh, we've already read some of it. I want to go there again Matthew 1 20 through 24. Now all this was done for one very important reason, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. It wasn't who spoke it wasn't when they spoke it's what they spoke to this young Jewish man that knew the scriptures and he knew in the word of God in Isaiah 7 14 it said that Messiah would come through a virgin I believe there was something inside his heart that made him choose and do the things that he did because of his knowledge of scripture what is the greatest thing what's the reason many people are destroyed today the prophet Jose said it many times for a lack of knowledge my people perish had he not known the word of god had there not been an understanding in his spirit had he not been trained of these things had he not known these what decision might joseph had made. Joseph knew the Scripture and he knew how Messiah would come. Ever since the rebuilding of the second temple, the Jews were waiting for the coming of Messiah. And I believe it sparked something inside Joseph to say, wait a minute, this is the hand of God in my life doing a miracle. We may miss that if we don't know what the Word of God says. We may miss many blessings in our life. Now, there were five things that Joseph had to accomplish for God's plan to be fulfilled. First, he had to help a very pregnant Mary to Bethlehem from Nazareth, about 80 miles. Keep in mind two things. One, they had to pass by the land of the Samaritans, and they did not like Jews. He had to go through that hostile place, and it was a four-day journey because of the great number of people with a very pregnant woman. I don't know if you've went to Walmart with a pregnant wife before, but that's not always fun. And I know they suffer, and my wife gets mad every time. I say it's because of uh, Eve's sin that they have to do that, but, you know, that's beside the point. Don't judge me for that. Okay, you women are hating me now. The second thing that he, Joseph had to accomplish for God's plan to be fulfilled was in, uh, once in Bethlehem he had to take care of Mary by getting her a place to rest and give birth to Jesus. This is to fulfill Micah 5.2 that says Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. I don't believe all of these verses of Scripture. Yeah, the angel spoke to him. He was led. He was guided by the Spirit. But there was a knowledge and understanding of the Word of God that made Joseph walk the path that he walked. I believe that with all my heart. And he knew that Scripture said that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Didn't the angel even tell him what his name was going to be? and Joseph began to line his feet up with what the word of God said and God used him to do great things you know when we can walk the path that God has set for before us uh, you you just set you know I'm getting ahead of myself. I I really, the more I studied this guy, I loved him. He was awesome. The third thing that he had to accomplish was he had to help Mary and Jesus escape to Egypt safely and protect and take care of them in a foreign land to fulfill Hosea 11.1 that said he will be called out of Egypt. He used one man to fulfill all of these different prophecies because he lined himself up with the Word and the will of God. The fourth thing, after the death of Herod the Great, he had to bring Mary and Jesus back to Nazareth to fulfill what the prophets said he will be called a Nazarene. And then the fifth thing, he had to teach Jesus to become a carpenter and to take care of him all of his days. The failure of Joseph to do this would... It it fails. The plan of God would have been null and void at that point. One more observation I want, and I'll sit down, about Joseph. Joseph remained. You would think that somebody who had navigated through all the things that Joseph had navigated his life through, all the heartbreak and the hurt and the listening to God and the understanding of Scripture in his life, that God would have given that man a mansion somewhere and great things Because when we give ourselves completely to God, God owes us that, doesn't He? Well, I used to kind of think that way, Brother Gene. I really did. You know, if I give everything I have to God, you know, and I believe God's going to do that, but who said He's going to do it this side of glory? Joseph remained a poor man despite his great work for God. You see, he raised Jesus, he never asked for anything. I'm sure the gold, frankincense, and myrrh that the wise men had given to him, how in the world is he going to go to Egypt and spend his time there had not God provided for him right there. But but I'm sure that that, you know, it's just like, I remember when I've received a, a time or two in my life, a decent little sum of money, thinking, wow, this is going to last me through to retirement. Yep, and six months later, it was gone. So, you know, money doesn't last forever. You know, and I know that Joseph used it for that. But, you know, I just wrote down a question that I asked myself last night. Would I be willing to serve God in poverty? You know, the reason I say that Joseph was still a poor man, the law required a sacrifice seven days after the birth of a child, a lamb, if you could afford it, but if you could not afford it, two turtle doves. And the reason is they could be caught without having to pay a price. If you had a lamb, if you had the financial ability to have that, do that. But if you do not, Luke two twenty two through 24 says, Joseph offered two turtle doves on the day of Jesus' circumcision. You know, is this why James, which we know is the brother of Jesus... Is this why James said in in James 2, 5, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? You know, God never promised, there was a song that says, I beg your pardon, he never promised me a rose garden. I was talking to, uh, uh, I can't remember your name right now, Bryce's wife, (laughs) Nicole. Nicole. I apologize. My mind is terrible. I was talking to her the other day, and we was, had been praying for some sick people in the church, and she said, you know, I just believe that it doesn't matter what comes our way, and if we have a few battle scars along the way, then let the will of the Lord be done. But she said it just doesn't matter as long as we make heaven our home. And I began to think how many things have I grabbed a hold of in this life that I've said surely was God. When I look at this lowly man, Joseph, that the Scripture barely ever speaks of. In fact, you don't even hear after the trip to Jerusalem, you don't hear any more about this man. He probably passed away. But what did he give? And even to James, which he had the ability to speak into his life, James said he hadn't chosen a lot of things like you think. He's chosen the poor of this life because what have they got to lose in living for God? You know, it would be great to get to the point. Somebody said the other day, if you will make a $10,000 investment into this thing right here in one year, it's been proven you could probably make a million dollars. And the first thing that came over me is I'd have to fret and worry about how to spend that million dollars. And the second thing that came over me was I don't want a million dollars. I, I really don't. I said I want to live a quiet, peaceful, happy life and just live in the middle of where God has put me in this life. That's what I want in this life. And that's why I had chosen this man Joseph. Not because I'm like him but because we are opposite I want to become more like this man. And I, I, thank, I thank, thank you, Brother Gene, for the opportunity to let me just, uh, speak about him today. How many would like to
0: be more like Joseph? Any men in here like to be more like Joseph? Amen. I'm thankful for that, Dale. Thank you for those words today. And they challenge us. I know the word of the Lord, but I want to know it in such a way that it, uh, it affects my feet. The way I walk and the places I go and the way I stand. Somebody say amen. And if the offering of two turtle doves is a poor man's sacrifice, and if a rich man's sacrifice is a lamb, then what kind of man is it that would give his son? We've got a wonderful God. That would wrap himself in flesh and become our lamb. Because our God is much richer than the richest man on this planet. Somebody say amen. He provides for us, doesn't he? Everybody okay? Yes, he does. And I'm thankful for the sacrifice that has been given for us. And I appreciate those challenging words today. I want to uh, examine that as I enter this holiday season. Our next uh, one that's going to share with us today about Christmas characters. Now, uh, and you know, we got elders and young folks and uh, young and old in this church. I thank God for that. Some of the comments at uh, our Christmas play were you got a bunch of young folks working, and that's a good thing that young folks want to work. Of course, we made them work. <laughs> Amen. But anyway, it's good to have a church that's got some young people in it and some young couples, and uh, I'm thankful for that. And so our next speaker today comes from a little younger generation than Brother Berner, but uh, I'm sure has just as much uh, insight into the character that they've chosen. I've asked Sister Heather Rittenhouse to share with us today, and I want her to bring her perspective to this class and what person or character has spoken to her. Let's welcome Sister Heather as she comes today to share with us.
2: You all have to bear with me. I've been British for the last three days, and I've been hanging out with a Scottish nut, so if you hear any weird sounds, I apologize. Um, So I have it all written down, because I like to write, but I'm not very good at speaking. It's easy to get up and play somebody that's not you, but uh, to get up and be you in front of a bunch of people that you love. It's, it's a bit nerve-wracking. <laughs> um, okay, so when Brother Gene first asked me to speak about one of the characters from the Christmas story, the one that immediately popped into my head was the innkeeper. Later, my mother told me that Brother Gene had actually preached about the innkeeper just that morning while I was in the H1O class. So I apologize if I inadvertently steal any of your points. <laughs> um, as I read over the Christmas story, the inn and its keeper always speak to me. As I thought more about it, I likened their story and their situation to my own experiences. I've worked at a hotel, and uh, so I can kind of, on some level, understand. Um, but I found myself wondering who could have come to stay that night to fill the inn to its capacity. My first thought was a rich man. Perhaps he and his wife came through and the innkeeper gave him a room knowing that his money would help repair that squeaky door and finally fix the draft in the on those cold winter nights maybe the innkeeper let in another individual that came in to came to stay and boost the status of the inn when i worked at the holiday inn we had people that would specifically come and stay to rate the hotel to get more guests to come and stay and everything so maybe they had something like that someone that would spread the word about his inn. Or perhaps someone with high status, like a celebrity, came to stay, and just them staying at the hotel itself boosted his status and the status of his inn. Or maybe a family came, maybe some of his own family came to stay from out of town. Was it anything like my own family? Were there elders around talking and reminiscing while what seemed like hundreds of children ran about playing? Perhaps a family was robbed, like a different family, was robbed or forced out of their home and, needed, and the innkeeper took compassion on them. Maybe their child got sick on their journey and they needed a place for shelter. But then it came time for a young couple with a child on the way to knock on the door of that busy inn as it was busting at the seams and the unborn king was sent away. Was there anything wrong with wanting to take in a bit more cash in order to do your job more diligently? No. But what happens whenever money becomes my new God? What happens when I need money to be happy or when I feel like I need money to represent my worth? Was there anything wrong with wanting your business to succeed in the eyes of your customers for wanting to be seen as a diligent and hard worker? No, there's nothing wrong with that. But what happens when I become more concerned with my earthly work than the work that I was created to do for the kingdom? What happens when I start skipping church in order to, which I just realized somebody got called into church. I was not meaning anything like that. (laughs) Sometimes things happen. I apologize. (laughs) Um, Okay, moving right along. Um, Or what happens whenever I become too busy to too busy in my work to pray or to read my Bible whenever I start making excuses. Is there anything wrong with making the right friends and keeping the right company so that you are associated with the right people? Depending on the circumstances, no. But what happens when I care more about what my friends think of me than what my father thinks of me? What happens when I make the wrong friends that are carnally minded even though they look the way they should? Or even the right friends but I start to look the way I do and don't wear certain things simply because I feel that they will judge me. Rather than seeking to glorify God with the way he made me and acting in a way I know will please him. Is there anything wrong with spending time with my family, hearing the wisdom of, and stories of the ones who went before me? Sorry. Hearing the stories of those who went before me, or mentoring those who will come after. Of course not. But what happens when I fix, when I can't fix everything that my loved ones struggle with? What happens when I try to do it all in my own power instead of giving it to God? Sorry, it's getting hard to read. (laughs) Um, Is there anything wrong with showing compassion or mercy to those who are in need? Anything wrong with making a positive impact or showing God's grace to those that are suffering? Again, of course not. But what happens when I, again, try to help them using my own abilities, exhausting myself and my resources to try and do a work that only an all-powerful God is able to do? But God forget that I ever get too caught up in my job, in my reputation, my family drama, or my family joy, and the compassion that I feel for someone that needs some Jesus with some skin on, that I forget where my help comes from, where my hope, my joy, and where my peace comes from. The innkeeper may not have known who Mary and Joseph were, but if the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt when John heard Mary's greeting, why wasn't the innkeeper in this same in as in tune with the spirit? Did the distractions of his life blind him to what stood before him that night? In Luke 141, it mentions that just a mere greeting of Mary, a simple, hey, what's up? And the unborn John jumped in Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And not only that, but in the next couple of verses, she spoke exactly what was special about Mary. I'm no Bible scholar, but I don't know if Mary told her what was happening or not but when I read it, it seemed like Elizabeth knew from the Holy Spirit that Mary was going to give birth to the Savior. If I were Mary, I probably would have also taken the risk of the innkeeper thinking me insane and told him who I was pregnant with as well, instead of simply taking no for an answer and going to the barn. But maybe I I do tend to have a big mouth, so maybe that's just me. (laughs) Um, Either way, he missed what was truly important that night, The shepherds and the wise men came from far away and were witnesses to the beginning of the single most beautiful love story in all of history. He was just on the other side of the wall and missed the entire thing. I wonder, did he ever regret that night? Turning them away and missing the opportunity to see the God he revered face to face. How many mornings did he wake up looking in the mirror and feel that pit in his stomach that made his limbs go weak with regret? Knowing that that was the face... Staring back at him was the face that rejected the Savior that would die for him. How many nights did he lay awake in his inn, hearing the cry of an infant within its walls, and beg God to turn back time for him to find room for Jesus in his life? I often get caught up in my everyday struggles. I wonder sometimes if I'll ever be able to be a normal young woman, and with a steady career, and be able to take care of myself financially, and uh, there are days I wake up where my arm is numb and I start to cry because I think I'm having another MS episode only to realize that I just slept on it wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, there are many nights I lie awake because of some this or that that my family is going through because I have no power over the situation but every fiber of my being just wants to charge in and make everything straight. There are times where my blood boils because of injustices that I see um, but there are times that I speak out before allowing the Holy Spirit to slap a filter on a filter of love on my mouth. There are days that, between friends, family, work, and hobbies, my day slips away from me. There are days that I turn out my lights and realize I didn't spend any time in prayer or even being mindful to do ev- my everyday activities unto God and glorify Him in them. I didn't. I didn't witness to anyone or tell them about the miracles God has done in my life. Every moment is a precious opportunity. I hope to never become too busy to seize those opportunities to worship God in all that I do.
0: Amen. I think we ought to lift our hands and just thank the Lord for what we've heard. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we receive today with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save our souls. I thank you, Lord, for what we have heard today, for the the challenge that we feel right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus, help each one of us, Lord, to be who you want us to be and what you created us to be. Somebody say amen. And uh, I I have to add uh, today to this class just because we're talking about Christmas characters I want you to consider one more it's found in Luke chapter 2 verse 25 and the scripture says it this way and behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and the same man was a just and was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the holy ghost was upon him And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, and Brother Dale mentioned it, to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou serve thy... Thou, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him, and Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I want to share with you a Christmas character named Simeon. And the first thing I notice in this passage is that Simeon had heard about Jesus. It was revealed by the Spirit that he should not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And much like was already said of Joseph, when he knew that by Scripture, he focused his life on doing what he knew would cause him to be in the right place at the right time. This was not happenstance. This was not I just decided to go to Walmart, and all of a sudden it happened. No, this man said, If I'm not going to die until I see the Lord's Christ, then I'm going to the synagogue every day. Think about that. The law said, seven days after the birth of a child, it was to be a male child, it was to be presented in the temple. And the the rite of circumcision or the Abrahamic covenant would be instituted upon that male child. Simeon said, if I'm not dying before I see the Lord's Christ, I'm going to be in the right place when it happens. It's one thing to say, well, I'll stay home and sit here until God does it. But we know too much for that. That's why I'm here today. is because I know the Lord has promised to bless His people and I'm not going to miss the opportunity to be here when it happens. Somebody say amen. So Simeon heard. Everybody say Simeon heard. Second thing is the Bible says he uh, was told that he would live to see him. So evidently go into the temple every day. He hoped that it would come to pass. How many of you have ever heard the Lord say, you know, I can heal sickness. You hear a preacher say, uh, the Lord is able to heal your soul, the, uh, your sickness. The Lord is able to save your soul. The Lord's able to touch your children. How many's ever heard a preacher say that? You know what causes you to keep praying? It's hope. It's hope. It, it's it's that you know the Bible says hope maketh not ashamed. You you can pray because you hope. You can worship because you hope. You don't have to be ashamed to worship. Do what you know to do. Be obedient. And this is the same thing that fueled Simeon he knew that by the Holy Ghost that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ so he kept hoping he kept believing somebody say amen now a very interesting verse verse 27 says that Simeon came by the spirit to the temple I guess I'm challenged by this character to come to church this way every Sunday that I come by the spirit I come hoping, I come expecting something to happen in me. Because hope causes you to come to the temple in anticipation. I wonder how many years he came every day and nothing happened, but he kept on coming. Man, how many times do we get in the rut, but friend, hope keeps you coming in anticipation. I'm here today anticipating something to happen. (laughs) Somebody say amen. The third thing I want you to notice about Simeon is that not only he had heard about him and not only did he hope to see the Lord's Christ, but the third thing is he got to handle him. One amazing fact to me in this passage that we read, and much like Heather mentioned Elizabeth and John, the unborn John, Much to the uh, similarity of those characters, it's amazing to me that Simeon recognized Jesus immediately. This is not something that happened often. In fact, the very baby that leaped in Elizabeth's womb at the close of his life had trouble in this area recognizing Jesus. He said, go ask him one more time. Is he the Messiah? Jewish scholars, those that had their doctorates, the PhDs, if you would say, they had trouble recognizing him. Fact of the matter is, yes, Dale, he moved to Nazareth and was the son of a carpenter. But even the residents of Jesus' hometown had trouble with recognizing him. I'm not talking about recognizing that he's Jesus, but recognizing who He really is. Even His own disciples had struggles with this issue as well, recognizing Him. Jesus said, "Uh, who do you say that I am? They had trouble with their answer. One bold disciple leapt out on faith and made a declaration that we find in Scripture, but the rest of them remained silent. Aside from just a few characters, namely Mary, Joseph, Anna, and Simeon, they were rare company. Verse 27 seems to indicate that Simeon recognized Jesus and it also indicates that his parents simply brought him to do what they were supposed to do, nothing supernatural, just coming to the synagogue to do what I'm supposed to do. It's the custom. Some say custom needs to be thrown out. We find in this culture people saying I don't want to go to church because church seems to be custom. Well, in Luke chapter 2 we find where Mary and Joseph are just doing what is custom for them to do. But in obeying the custom, something supernatural takes place. Is it culture for me to get baptized? Well, I guess you could say some have said, well, that's just getting in a tank and getting wet, and that's a custom. Well, wait just a minute. Somewhere in the custom, something supernatural begins to happen. So is it custom for me to be in church on Sunday? Well, yes, and there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Because in the matter of custom, we can meet something supernatural that takes place in that moment. So I'm gonna keep on being obedient. I'm gonna keep on doing what I know is righteous. Any of you got a custom of getting up at a certain time? Any of you got a custom of a favorite meal? Any of you got a custom of doing something that has to do with work. Others do it a certain way and you do it a certain way. We can call that your custom also. I don't see you beating down the door to throw away any of those customs. So why are we accepting of every custom in our own lives but we want to throw out every custom of biblical proportion and say, well, that's just a custom there's a danger of discarding custom saying there's none of God in it. But thank God, Mary and Joseph didn't say, Well, I know everybody's supposed to take their baby to the temple. Well, we're not going to today. Simeon would still be here. But you know what? Simeon got to die because Mary and Joseph showed up, which was the custom. And I close with this. When Simeon recognized him, as soon as he walked in the door, the Holy Ghost moved on him and he said, that's the boy. And if they'd put verse 29 up there, verse 29, I'd like to read it once again. Luke 2, verse 29. This is what came out of Simeon's mouth as soon as they brought that child in to present him. He took the child in verse 29, his first words were, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. See, now I can depart in peace for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. There's no greater epitaph to life, friend, than to say I can leave in peace because I've seen the salvation of the Lord. There's no greater thing for you to receive at Christmas than the consolation that knows whether it's today or 20 years from now. When I leave, I'm leaving in, oh hallelujah, I'm leaving in peace because I know who the Savior is. I know we struggle and Sister Heather, uh, it's, it's, it's normal to get emotional about those storytellers in our lives, our, our elderly, those that we should regard with reverence. Let me... Let me uh, share with you one pet peeve. I don't know if it'll change anything. I'd hoped it would change on its own, but it has not. Let me share with you a pet peeve. I I know you know where I was raised. I know you know that culture raised their kids a certain way. They raised them to say, yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. Now I'm not saying we're going to go saying yes ma'am and no ma'am and just because Brother Gene was raised in Louisiana we got to do ma'am and sir. No, that's not what I'm saying. But it shocks me sometimes when we pray for the meal at a church dinner and there's a bunch of 8 year olds to 15 year olds that all of a sudden run to the end of the table and start getting their plates and running through the lines and I said something to somebody the other day. I said, you know what, when I was a kid... (laughs) The elders went first. When I was a kid, my mom and dad went first. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? I don't think there's anything wrong with having a special place for the gray hairs that have served God for a long time. In fact, I think they ought to be reverenced. In fact, I know this now. In fact, I know this now. Now, somebody say now. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, Pastor didn't know this before, but he knows it now. I know this now. I've lived long enough to know that those gray hairs mean those people's been through something. I know now that they got stories to tell. And just by them showing up tells me that they've been through the storm and the storm didn't kill them. And they've been through the fire and the fire didn't burn them. And they went through surgeries and situations, but those surgeries and situations didn't take their joy or their faith or their hope. I cherish that. So when Heather gets emotional about thinking about losing our storytellers I want to tell you there are times where uh, I start thinking about those that's gone on to be with the Lord and whether it was just a few months ago or years now you know what I cherish those that have served the Lord and they've departed in peace I've been by their beds. I've stood by the beds of those that walked out on God and didn't have time for God until it was the 11th hour. There is a total difference in somebody that knows God and somebody that doesn't know God in that final moment. That prophet said, I can go out in peace because I know the Savior. I want to tell you, that's the story of Christmas. If you want to leave in peace, you better know who Jesus is. And you better do more than know him. You better know him for yourself. Come on, let's stand together. Let's give the Lord a good hand clap today, come on. Would you just give Jesus a standing ovation this morning? Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so thankful there is a Christmas. I'm so thankful there was a Bethlehem. Come on. I'm thankful there's a manger, a babe in swaddling clothes. And because I know him, I can leave in peace. Oh, hallelujah. Well, somebody say praise the Lord. I've been encouraged today, challenged. I felt the Holy Ghost today in our class. And the angels showed up to sing to shepherds. Don't ever forget what they said to those shepherds. Evidently, it's very important what they're about to say. Uh, they, they come out from behind the curtain of anonymity and they say something to those shepherds. They told them about a baby being born and then they said, peace on earth. Boy, where have we ever found it? Peace on earth only happens when Jesus shows up. And I'm thankful He's coming back again, aren't you? Amen. We're going to transition into our main service, a time of worship, and then our Sunday school program will be taking place. Why don't you take a moment and greet someone and tell them how much you appreciate them being in church. We'll have guests coming in during our transition. Uh, Remember our front areas reserved for our classes today that will be participating. God bless you. Thank you for being in Sunday school this morning.